hi everyone and thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very honored to, to speak here. I've been listening to uh, Mirror Report for quite some time now. So my name is Mariam Lambert, uh, known as Cinderella in Ukraine. Um, I'm the co-founder of the NGO Orphans Feeding Foundation. Uh, which was created in 2011. Uh, it's an NGO which uh, is legally registered in the Netherlands. Uh, we created that NGO because I'm also a civil servant working for a European organization. And in 2011, when I received my permanent contract uh, and also a lot of other privileges, uh, uh, we decided to give back to people. So we started with uh, just shortly to create, to build ourselves um, uh, orphanage in uh, Kenya. Then we went to Nepal to also help there. Um, after that, we also helped a little bit in Morocco, Romania, uh, Europe, Belgium, France. Uh, and when the war started, we were about to build a hospitality school in Zanzibar. And in March 2022, after the war started, we decided to focus all our resources in Ukraine. Um, NGO is not big, um, it's small enough, but um, very efficient. Whatever we do, whatever we receive, we uh, uh, commit ourselves to uh, directly de deliver that personally on the ground. What we haven't realized is that everything we have done before was in a, well, so-called peaceful country without a war. And it was the first time we started in Ukraine in a war zone. So we, just to make it short, in Ukraine, I started to work there. Uh, myself uh, to deliver different things in Ukraine, which comes from uh, winter items, uh, oncology, uh, medication for people who are, uh, have cancer, because that also those people are the left behind. We also help, of course, a lot uh, hospitals, mainly in the front line. So I was uh, myself in Bakhmut at the time when it was still accessible, Soledar, Kherson, Berislav, Odessa, Mykolaiv. Um, when uh, then when we were there, we also uh, evacuate people with different local NGO and international NGO. In March 2023, uh, after we built a mini connection in Ukraine with NGOs and also we use our work, what well, we used to work with uh, international um, uh, NGOs, we use those connections to actually reach out to uh, the presidential office and also to the uh, Human Rights Commissioner in March to actually see whatever, whether we could help also uh, on the topic of the children who are illegally and forcibly deported in, uh, to Russia. Uh, we signed a memorandum of understanding with them and from there we started uh, to uh, think uh, but in different aspects, how we can help significantly uh, the Ukrainian people to return the children who are legally deported. Uh, that's the summary of it. Um, so the bottom line is that um, we were in the front line, we were in the, the occupied territories. We decided to, of, uh, of course, focus everything now on the children who are deported and to return them physically as well. So how did it, uh, it started? It's um, the 1st of June 2023. It was the um, International Children's Day where the president of the European Commission, together with the president Zelensky, made a common statement that every child has a right to be free, protected and safe. And the war in Ukraine has deprived those children for those rights, those fundamental human rights. Um, then 
based on that, uh, they actually made a statement and asked the Russian Federation to stop the illegal deportation, but also stop the immediate um, um, uh, adoption, because there are also, of course, when you can imagine, 19,546 children were identified as being deported to Russia, and only 386 were returned so far after one and a half year. Um, based on that, so the President Zelensky decided to create a program which is called Bring Kids Back Ukraine. And this program has a different aspect. It's first to identify and locate the Ukrainian children who are deported to Russia, to also advocate internationally uh, on the diplomatic level uh, how to support and to bring those kids back home, uh, to rescue, of course, those children, but also the most important thing that I would like people to also be in mind that we are talking a lot about bringing the children back, but when we are bringing them back, we need also to give them a life back. So one of the important aspects we are focusing on is to uh, create a um, rehabilitation centre for those children who are returned to be treated um, and to be in a safe place. Why? Because myself, when we were on the ground returning children, we have experienced awful situation where when we reunited a family where, with the par uh, kids with the parents, uh, those parents had no other choices than going back to uh, occupy, uh, the occupied territories which are still under shelling, for example, Kupiansk, Kherson. Um, and that that's, was something which really uh, hurted me because we knew that we, we made everything to bring them back. And then somehow we would realize in a few months that something horrible ha will happen to them. So this is why we are focusing also on the rehabilitation center. And finally, once all that is done together with the general prosecutor of Ukraine, we are um, actually gathering documentation of crime for submission to the ICC by the Ukrainian authorities. So these are the things I would like to explain to you. Um, what is important in our mission is that I've, I've been quite a lot in Ukraine, about 27 times. I, I'm not even counting anymore. But I'm also a mother of three children. And it is absolutely horrific for all of us who are listening today, whether you are involved in the war in Ukraine, whether we are helping, whether we are advocating, to just imagine one minute what how you would feel if your own child is being deported in a place where you have no idea how they will be treated, no idea who will be taking care of them, if they take care of them, no idea by whom they will be adopted. The adoption, also the deportation uh, is, uh, we are talking about children who are from four months old to 17 years old. We are also, of course, running um, against the clock because you can imagine that children who are turning 18 during the deportation will be obliged to fight against their own country, maybe against their own family, maybe against their own father. This is why we are also running against the clock. So based on that, we have also set up, uh, when I'm back in Europe, a lot of events uh, where we are uh, organizing events with children who are deported, who could possibly and safely also testify uh, how they experienced uh, during their deportation. So the first event happened in The Hague, uh, where they met with the uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, they met with the Parliament, we had a press conference with them in order to really um, yeah, 
make sure that people are aware that deportation is a real issue. Deportation is real. Deportation is not propaganda. Deportation is something that those children went through in a horrific situation, horrific experience. I can tell you that, for example, a lady called Veronica, uh, when I um, when I was there and, and reunited her with her family, she explained to us after several weeks that what happened when she was there was absolutely horrific. And it's just half of the story. She's been arrested, she's been threatened every single day that they would kill her because of course some of those children were targeted because the parents were, are, uh, working as a soldier in Ukraine. So they are trying to use those children to actually get any information on location, on information on the Ukrainian army, where they could be, etc. So that's what we are um, going through. Um, I, I, I'm sorry that I'm, yeah, I feel that now I'm just started, I'm getting a bit emotional. It, it's just because we are not here just to talk about it. We are not just here to raise awareness. We are here to convince people that this is real thing as happening. And we have to really join forces all together with different countries to stop those deportation and to bring back those children in a safe place. So um, if you have any questions, just let me know. Uh, this is what, yeah, in some, I wanted to sum up in five minutes, but I could talk for five hours or even more. Um, yeah, this is my story. Uh, we are not giving up. Uh, it's been extremely horrible, as you, as you know, also as a woman in the front line or in the occupied territory, it's extremely difficult, but it's, we don't have a choice today because we just put ourselves in the situation of those parents and we will never give up. We will go back again and hopefully, I, I, I can't say too much, but in a few days we will be able to return more children. Thank you so much, uh, Mariam, for that very comprehensive overview and um, those incredible insights. Um, many of us here in, in this space and in particular a number of co-hosts who I'm sure will speak to you in a moment um, follow this issue quite closely and we've highlighted some of the individual stories ourselves and it's absolutely incredibly heartbreaking and um, it's both saddening but also um, uh, we're glad to see that the international community is starting to speak about this issue more and is starting to support um, uh, a number of initiatives more and help Ukraine. Um, so we, and we're really, really grateful and privileged for you to join us today. Um, I would like to go to one of our co-hosts who does indeed follow this issue closely, um, and that's Prince Heather. Welcome, Prince Heather. Please go ahead. Thank you, Tracy. Miriam, it is so wonderful to hear you speak. I, along with a couple, another co-host and a journalist, do a segment every Friday night that we call Understanding Genocide in Ukraine. And of course, part of that is talking about the children who are illegally deported into Russia and the things that happen to them while they are there and the process of returning them. And this is, uh, when I saw your involvement with Bring Kids Back, I was so happy to hear you were coming on because this is what I feel like needs to be highlighted more and more and more and more. Understanding what is happening to those children when they are taken into Russia and what happens to them while they are there and the complication of bringing them back. Now, I, I, mean, I could sit and talk about this for hours. I really could. 
I'm just like you. You and I could probably sit and talk about the kids for hours. But there is one specific thing that I read about yesterday that I'm wondering if you guys are working on overcoming, and that would be specifically the land borders from Ukraine into Russia being closed and flying into getting into Russia now only being an option by air. Is that actually what happened or is there still a way to cross a land border into Russia from Ukraine to try to get these kids back? Okay, that's a very good question because we are right in the middle of it. We have a mission that we are expecting some children, as I mentioned before. So um, I cannot tell you about uh, more about the technical uh, difficulty we are going through, but indeed, uh, this is uh, an issue at the moment. So we are working, of course, every day together with the uh, Ukrainian commissioner, Mr. Lubinets, uh, and together with the presidential office to see, to seek for a solution. But what I can tell you is that uh, three weeks ago, I was in Sumi uh, also to help civilians, to provide them with humanitarian support. Uh, uh, there's actually in Sumi, there's a, a border called Pokrovsk, uh, Pokrovsk and it's uh, on the side of Ukraine, it's called Kostompinia. It's the only uh, border which is still open between uh, Russia and Ukraine. And we call that the humanitarian corridor. And this is where actually the prisoners are exchanged. This is where the children who are deported could also pass by. And this is where 200 civilians are crossing the, this border every single day. But as you rightly mentioned, this was three weeks ago. Every day, based on different statements, based on different uh, geopolitical issues, uh, things can change. And this is what we are experiencing at the moment. I would have some, hopefully, uh, some good news in the next uh, 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 few days, where we are also uh, trying to find a solution, of course, to bring them back in a safe way. Uh, there's no way we will be um, taking the option of flying them. Of course, you understand the risk, uh, and that's when it's regarding children, we want to take zero risk and to make sure that they are safe, because that would be horrible to try to rescue them and then something would happen. So we are working on that. And that's rightly, um, yeah, it's exactly what you, you, the information you have is, is right. Thank you. And, and I could probably go on and on, but I know that there are other hands and there are more things that need to be discussed. But I am very happy to um, to to hear you on the space and I'm following you now and I think that you are following me. And if you ever run into Daria, I can never pronounce her last name. I know that she works very closely with Bring Back Kids UA. Tell her she has a big fan in me and you do also because you guys are doing amazing work to bringing kids back to Thank Ukraine. you very much. Thank you, I will. I mean, Daria Geramanchuk, she's actually one of the coordinator of the Bring Kids Back program. Just to make sure that everybody understands, Bring Kids Back program has been created by the President Zelensky under the leadership of uh, the um, presidential office um, leader, which is Andrei Yermak, and coordinated by um, uh, Daria Geremanchuk, and we work together on a daily basis. Very good. She is, I have been following her very specifically for a long time, and she is a hero. She is a hero to many kids in Ukraine, and that you guys are doing amazing work. Thank you, and I will uh, pass it on to other people who have questions, and because I could just go on all day. Thank you very much. 
Thank you, Prince Heather, and thank you very much for that for those answers, uh, Mariam. Um, now, Terixus, you don't have a hand up, but I believe you've joined us specifically for this segment. So, if um, you other guys don't mind, I'm just going to see if Terixus would like to go first. No, I have prepared for this, so I have a whole range of questions, but uh, um, I'll uh, give people some room. <laughs> Thank you so much, Terixus, and welcome to you. Welcome to everybody on the panel and uh, another one of our co-hosts, Massilius. Please go ahead. Thank you, and uh, I, I hope I won't uh, take too much time. As someone who's uh, a few children himself, I can, of course, uh, very much anticipate and uh, feel actually how the people uh, feel when they lost their kids and you, you called it... Uh, uncertainty but then again there are experiences so i don't want to dig in too deep into this topic but are there also some kind of like different experiences so do they the children who come back actually have super different experiences regarding in which circumstances they have been in or is there some kind of pattern there it's probably the sad pattern, so I don't want to, as I said, to uh, to dig in too deep into it. But uh, is there any kind of pattern actually that uh, should be communicated and should be aware of? And the second question, a very short one. You have mentioned a few numbers, um, but it was quite quick, and it would be great at, uh, if you could uh, put it into perspective how how high the percentage actually of uh, deported children is in. Um, comparison to the children that uh, could have been brought back. And thank you very much for your thought, and I love what you do. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a very good question. So we need to be very careful when it comes to numbers and figures. The reason is that, as you can imagine, uh, some children have been deported either to occupied territories or to Russia. So therefore, it is very difficult, of course, to have the uh, uh, accurate figures. Um, but it is important just uh, quickly to give you the categories of children who are deported. So the first category are orphans who are under the guardianship of the Ukrainian, who were under the guardianship of the Ukrainian authority. And whilst there is a filtration process when the city is being occupied, then those children are being transferred to Russia. That's the first category. The second categories are the children who uh, had a clear guardianship, they had parents during the war, and during the war, then uh, after the war, sorry, no, after the war, but before the war, and up, during the war, parents were, were killed in different circumstances. So those children uh, have unclear guardianship, and unfortunately, nobody is asking for them, uh, and nobody is uh, trying to return them, uh, because nobody knows who they are. The third categories are the children who are mentally and uh, uh, physically disabled and who are under the guardianship of the Ukrainian authorities and are also being transferred into Russia. And the fourth categories are the children who have parents and during the occupation, uh, those children were transferred to summer camp. So based on that, you can imagine that those children will have different experiences. Uh, what is important in terms of figures, so this is why it's very difficult to give numbers, but this is why we'd be very careful. We have two official numbers. The first one, according to the Ukrainian authorities and the general prosecutor, 19,546 children 
were identified as being deported to Russia or occupied territories. According to the Russian Federation, they are very proud to tell everyone in the world that they have saved and deport, uh, deported and um, um, also forcibly transferred, because there is a difference, 700,000 children. Those two numbers are the official one. What we are returning children all the time. Different organizations are doing the same. But 386 is the number. 386 out of 9,546 were returned. It's nothing. This is why we are trying to activate and to, to, to raise awareness with government around the world to help us. Those are the numbers. I can give you any other numbers because it's not verified, it's not official, so we have to be very careful with that. I hope I answer your question, actually. Yeah, thank you very much. That's right. It's, it's possible. So the percentage is very, very low. And uh, yes, um, and obviously the Russians are even proud to say that uh, they have let's they call it safe but obviously not safe but deported even more than than the official numbers from the ukraine right yeah that, that's correct what i have to be very careful and you know i'm very transparent and i speak up and i don't want people to think oh she's speaking for the ukrainian government not at all but what i have experienced when talking to parents and children as well um and and also other people because of course we are getting a lot of information on what is going on in russia um we have also to keep in mind that when they are when they started this um, uh, adoption process, fast adoption process, there are family in Russia who are genuinely uh, thinking they are doing the right thing by adopting a child. So they are not doing the bad thing because they don't know the situation. And of course, you know how much the media control there, how much they, how little they know about the real deportation. So. I would like to highlight that because it's not only Russification, it's not only that, uh, of course, uh, we can see that Russia are really, really trying to, to train those children to become Russia, Russian, and they're also giving them no other choices than getting a Russian passport. Eh? That's also very uh, difficult. And the situation also, because some people will say, but the parents gave consent. How I, I was in a uh, in event and I, I started to explain the situation and some of the uh, people were getting really upset, saying that how come you can get into between the parents and a kid where the parents gave consent? Yes, true. They gave consent, but we need to also explain in which circumstance. They gave consent because before the war it was a common practice to send children in a summer camp in Crimea, for example. So they gave consent. What the Russians are doing now, they're extending that deadline of consent every time. They are saying that, well, the child is not safe, so we can't bring him back. So that's the first thing. They also give consent where uh, there is a scenario, for example, where the Russian will create a very poor, difficult situation for the parents who will not, will not have any other option than accepting a Russian passport, because otherwise they will not get any humanitarian help, they will not get any medical treatment. So you can imagine when your child is suffering and have to go to the hospital, of course you will do anything, you will do anything to make sure that your child is treated, so they will take Russian passport. And finally, there's also a situation, because we have a different scenario, 
where the Russian will um, in occupied territories or in uh, well in occupied territories, they will tell the parents that the, the, the their child is so sick that they have no other option to send them to a hospital in Russia. And of course, you will imagine that this is not true. So they will ask, they will tell, they will give different technique to make sure that this consent is signed, because then legally there is no much you can say, and that will be also one of the difficulty of the warrants is um, in, in international law uh, is to also prove that those children were illegally and forcibly deported and there was no consent from the parents, but of course everything needs to be uh, taken carefully into the context and not as a general uh, view. Thank you very much. And it's also, again, once time uh, proves that Russia is a mafia state because they are doing an offer you can't refuse and we know uh, actually, the patent. So, uh, thank you very much, Mariam, and I will pass over to the further hands. Thank you. Thank you. And God bless you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, I would just like to highlight here, I, it's something that I see actually on a regular basis. The mayor of Melitopol, he posts regularly about children still being taken from uh, temporarily occupied territories in the region there. So it's still going on the whole time. Um, but we have a number of hands. So let's go to uh, Ben, Prince Antarixus, please. Ben, please go ahead. Hi, thank you, Tracy. I have a couple of questions for you, Miriam. Um, the first, the first one is, what's the mechanism for bringing the, a child back? Because uh, I assume that there, you know, there are different ways that the children are being, if the right word is, or situations that the child, that different children have when they're in Russia, and how do they get relinquished from whatever situation that they're in? Uh, it seems to me to be a very difficult task, both to identify where they are and also to extricate them from whatever situation it is. So how, how, it's just a mystery to me. How does this happen? Yeah, that's a very good and tricky question because um, what the mechanism in general to bring kids back, children back, doesn't exist. Simply, it doesn't exist. This is what we are trying to build with Ukrainian and with other countries. It's to create with international organization, with uh, government, with NGOs, with people who have uh, knowledge in that, it's to create a proper mechanism to bring the children back. Otherwise, we will not be at the numbers of 386 out of 19,546. That's the first thing. Of course, we do have small mechanisms to bring them back as well. Uh, by, of course, identification or the location, different way of identification, different uh, intelligence as well, which I will not enter into details. And I'm sorry to disappoint you because you understand that this is quite OPSEC. And anything we will tell you now, how we do that, might jeopardize actually the return of other children and the whole deal that we are making in this up to, to bring them back. So I'm so sorry. I know that's a very frustrating question because a lot of people are asking that, but few are getting the answer simply because we don't want to put those children at risk. Uh, and then you ask a question about how do they get back into normal, right? How do we, we treat them? 
So the process is that when they are returned into in Ukrainian uh, territories, they are going through a different um, uh, rehabilitation. They first go to the Children Protection Center in Kiev. Unfortunately, we have only one at the moment, but NGO is raising funds to actually create other uh, uh, Children Protection Center. The Children Protection Center is uh, actually um, under the leadership of the uh, Ukrainian Commissioner um, Ombudsman, uh, Mr. Lubinets. And actually what they're doing, once the children return, they are of course taken by a psychologist, uh, by um, uh, doctors. They are of course checking all the information. We also have SBU intelligence present for a few days. They are monitoring the children, how they play, what they say, because you can imagine that any information that children might say could also be crucial to return other children, but also crucial for the criminal, uh, International Criminal Court. So that's what the uh, Children Protection Center is doing. Um, when a child is returned, I mean, we have the experience is that you cannot possibly, sometimes you have a, a child who will tell everything about what happened, but I can tell you that most of them are just very scared to talk. One of them told me uh, that he had to learn to how to speak normally again, because he was whispering for 15 months, um, didn't trust anyone. So, you know, all this is, is a really huge trauma. And that's what we are trying to put in place, those rehabilitation centers, is to make sure that those children can stay with the family, of course, um, for a few months, few years, whatever they need, to we learn how to be in a safe place, how to feel freedom again, uh, although it's still a country in a war. So that's how it works, unfortunately, in reality. It's to really try to help them and to, uh, to, to be with them for doing all this process. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, th those are wonderful insights. It's really great to know that there's that comprehensive support there for them, uh, for their psychological, mental health and emotional well-being. Um, and I, in particular, follow the SBU closely, so I'm very pleased to hear that they are also present, making sure that any information could be then indeed used um, to bring some people to justice, um, because that's obviously bringing people to justice. That's where these things start. Um, and it's incredibly sad that these children have to go through that. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And it, but it is very important, I think, that we highlight this. Um, and also, I would just like to ask everybody at this point to please, if you're not already, please follow Mariam and follow the accounts um, and then share the information and stories uh, that she is able to share with us. Please highlight those also um, to as many people as you possibly can. And Terixas, you were not next, but you are waving, so... Um, uh, do you feel like you need to come in here? Okay. Uh, sorry, I was muted. Uh, I'm sorry. I know I can stay in line. Prince Heather was first. Thank you so much. Uh, Prince Heather, please go ahead. Yes, Miriam, I will keep on coming up and asking you questions. And actually, I, I just sent you a DM because it is so absolutely wonderful to to talk to you. I would love to be able to stay in a little bit of contact and communication and, and, and ask questions when they come up. But what is so reassuring to me is you are you are saying absolutely everything that I have said on this space repeatedly time and time and time again, trying to get people to understand exactly what is happening with the children and how they are being taken 
from Ukraine and being illegally deported into Russia. Now, one question I do have, and this is maybe a difficult question, and I don't know if you can answer this. Um, I have seen in an interview with Maria Lavova-Belova that she has said that adoptions actually do not take place. It's actually a guardianship. Are there actually legal adoptions happening? I realize there's not much of a difference between the legal guardianship and a an adoption, but um, from what she has said, there is a guardianship, which I think is more of a money incentive rather than adoption, which may not have the same financial incentive to families. And because from what I've been able to gather and understand, adoption is somewhat seen as is a taboo, not a not a really good. Um, it's sort of frowned upon in, in Russia from what I've been able to gather. So are they actually legally adopted? You may not be able to tell me this. And if you can't, that's fine. But according to what Maria Lavova Belova has said, and I will just say I don't believe much of what she says, but there are some things that I that I wonder about and I would like to see if you can verify that for me. Thank you. Yep, uh, very good question. And not such a difficult question. Of course, don't also believe everything I said. Um, <laughs> it's just the reason is that we are trying to give you any information that we ourselves are witnessed, and we also have information directly from the source. And yes, adoption do take place. Yes, adoption do take place. Yes, guardianship also take place. So uh, the, 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 the beauty of it is that as a, as a lawyer, because Mary Belova is also a lawyer, is to uh, uh, just... Uh, play with words uh, because um, legal guardianship is adoption and also we have situations where children who are returned in a miraculous way were adopted, were in a foster family. So yes, adoption takes place. Now, I know that most of us here in this forum are, uh, of course, for Ukraine, happy Ukraine, but, you know, I'm trying also to to, to, to take this up with countries who might also be pro-Russian, uh, because any country who can help us to return the children is the country who can help us to help the children. Because for me, what matters is children needs to get back. Whoever country is, the children needs to return back. And I'm really uh, sorry to, 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 to have to make this statement, but um, for me here, and, and I've been working for more than 600 days in the front line with the Ukrainian army as well, delivering cars and everything. But when it comes to children, it's really not about discussing who is right and who is wrong, who fired first, who is second, who, who... The problem is not about the war in that situation. It's not about the war. It's about a genocide that has deported, the result of that genocide, deportation of 19,546, Children were deported and have nothing to do with this war, who are victims of this war. So there's, honestly, I don't know how many human beings is capable of, you know, doing this and knowing that the result of this war is the death, deportation of those innocent children. And that goes the same way for any other war that you know more than me that is happening today around the world. Children have nothing to do with any war. However, the first victim are those children. Thank you. Absol yes, absolutely, absolutely. And you know what, 
one of the things that I point out on a regular basis is, um, you know, this has been going on. Children have been have been illegally deported into Russia since 2014. So if you can think about a child who might have been nine or 10 years old in 2014 and who was illegally deported to Russia and then raised with that influence trying to um, re-educate them to be good little Russians, that those people now, 10 years later, almost 10 years later, could be those people actually fighting on the front. And that is one of the other things that I try to get people to think about. There, This has been going on for longer. It's been going on since before February of 2022. And the consequences for these kids is just absolutely horrid. And what we need to do is focus on getting those kids back. And I'm, I'm so glad to be able to just talk to somebody who is involved in actually doing that. And I really appreciate you joining us today. And I just wanted to say thank you once again. No, oh, thank you very much. And you, you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, this is a situation. This is why any child between four months, you can imagine your own child, four months old, up to five, six years old, they don't even remember who you are. So that's the first thing. We also return a, a, a kid who was 17. He was about, he received a letter saying that he would have to join the army in Russia. So we do have situation today that uh, some children are fighting against their own country because they have no other choice. Um, if you think about the cases in Guatemala, uh, it took them 10 years to return all the children. 10 years. One child was three years old. When he returned, he was 13. Not the same child. Not the same child at all. That's what we are talking about. So this is why I know the war is going on. It's very important. And I'm also helping a lot. But people say, okay, we can do that later. No, 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 no. Those children who are deported, if they're not returned today, we lose them. Every day we lose a child, every day, because those children will turn against you. Yeah, and just really quick, I mean, if you sit and you read the stories, and those stories are out there, those stories are easily available. You can find them. It's not hard to read. It's not hard to read the stories of the children who have been returned. And the things that they have gone through, even like at the summer camps that they take them to on a regular basis, and the, the things that they are put through for having to wake up very early and sing the Russian national anthem. And if they do not get it right, having to do it over and over again and not being able to allowed to speak Ukrainian, only being allowed to speak Russian, on and on and on, the indoctrination and the brainwashing that happens to these kids when they even go to the summer camps, not to mention what happens to them in other situations, is just horrid. And it's not hard to find the stories of the kids who have been returned. I'm thinking specifically of a six-year-old child who spent a year with her grandparents in the Mariupol area. And when they, her parents finally got her back, she doesn't want to speak Ukrainian. She only wants to speak Russian. She'll say, you know, they'll be talking in Ukrainian and she'll say, can we speak Russian now? Because that's what we should be speaking. And she talks about uh, Putin as Uncle Vovo. And it's yes, there are absolutely horrid examples of very young children having been indoctrinated and brainwashed in such a short period of time that getting them to adjust to life back in Ukraine is very difficult. And there are people who are working on that very diligently, like Miriam and and Lubitz's office and just on and on and on. But the stories are out there. They're not hired to find and they need to be amplified. 
And uh, yeah, you get me fired up when you get me talking about this kind of stuff, because it is the kind of stuff that I focus on. And um, it's something that is very important and urgent. Thanks. Sorry. Thank you. No, 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 no. We, we definitely need to catch up uh, uh, aside that because this is why when we said awareness is very important, is that at some point this awareness will reach out to those children who are deported uh, by different means and they know that someone is waiting for them. They know that someone, uh, people are waiting for them to return uh, and, and, and they are not left behind because th this is something that we really need to do and, and, and really sharing the word and spreading the words and, and, and sharing the information. It's something which is absolutely essential. Thank you very much for your questions, Prince. Um, uh, yes, I would just like to point out that something that I think of when you mentioned um, children in, uh, you know, uh, occupied territories um, from 2014 and the age that, that they would be. Um, I, I'm reminded of um, recently when a Russian pilot defected to Ukraine and one of the things that he said that stood out to me was that actually these pilots are firing, at, they have Ukrainian relatives um, in Ukraine and that was the first thing that I thought of. These guys are in their young 20s. It's very possible that these guys have been taken, you know, in 2014 um, as teenagers, um, maybe, you know, young adults. And, um, you know, that's the whole process and that's where it starts with the young children. Um, and in particular, I hear as well about these re-education camps where children are forced to become more Russian uh, so that they're more appealing for um, adoption. Um, do you, can you speak about that at all, Mariam? Yeah, actually, you know, it's it in general, it's 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 really horrific. But but I have also to say to speak up for those children who are returned, you need to keep in mind that those children. I'm not saying that because they're Ukrainian, but are absolutely outstanding, amazing, brave, resilient. They've been through a lot of filter. I mean, they've been through a lot of brainwash and everything, but they kept going with they kept refusing being russian and they still managed when we returned them back they were proudly saying to us that they didn't take them they didn't manage to brainwash them because they knew that the country is at war they knew that someone was waiting for them and they knew that their heart their soul their family are ukrainian and they would never never ever give up so i would like also to not to be completely in the dark so a lot of children unfortunately as you said, and this is why we have these BU and intelligence monitoring them, because you need to understand that even civilians, when they are returned from Russia, all children could also be uh, a difficult asset for the Ukrainian and could also, also be jeopardized, also the, the whole thing. So we need to be careful and to monitor them. But most of them, when they are returned, they are absolutely full of hope. Uh, it's heartbreaking. Uh, you need to put a, a stone in your heart when you do this kind of job, because I'm thinking about my children every single day. Uh, but if you do that and you listen to the story, all what you want to do is to go back and to bring more children. That's what we, we need to do. But for this, of course, we need your support. We need your help. We need you to spread the words. But of course, uh, yeah. It, like everything in a few months, you know, um, funding will be uh, disappear and we will not be able to do that. So more you spread the word about ONGO, more we will be able to help. Uh, sorry to say that, but that's the reality as well. 
Thank you. No, that is a reality, and, and that's um, that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why um, we're so privileged that you join us today and let us try and help in that regard. Um, it means a great deal to probably everybody here. Otherwise, I think people we wouldn't be here. Um, so you know, whether you're a new listener or you've been here for some time, you're here for the very same reasons that we all are, and this is one of them. Now, Terixus, you have been extremely patient, so please go ahead with your questions. Thank you, Tracy. Yeah, just been following along the conversation, and it is crazy to me how much how little attention is um, spread around this topic in the in the Western world. We hardly ever ever hear anything about this, uh, and it just drives me crazy. Um, it, it's appalling. Um, the other thing I saw, Mariam, if I'm right, uh, I saw you talking to the Dutch government and also the Brazilian. Is that, is that correct? Yes. So uh, thanks thanks to my wonderful husband who uh, allowed me to do that because, to be honest, it's not easy for him as well. Once I'm not underground in Ukraine and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, we are quite... Um, yeah, invited in some countries to speak about that. So we just came back from Brazil to Rezeronis. We went to, um, I'm just thinking now, um, yeah, in the Netherlands, of course, we met with the Prime Minister, with the uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs, who met with the children. We will probably go to Denmark, hopefully, um, to the European Parliament. We made uh, a speech there. Well, not just speech, but talking about our experience, what we have done, how they can help. So we are constantly uh, being invited uh, because, of course, this is not free, being invited by the hosting country to talk about this. But honestly, after all that, we, we are still hoping for a result. You know, the most important is not just to speak about that, but it's to really making sure that anything you said, there's a follow up. Uh, so we've done the same. We were invited in New York during the UN side event where children uh, were discussed. We were also in uh, Abu Dhabi, Dubai. But honestly, what I feel now is <clears throat> I'm happy to give any country that you think that we could go to give them a headache because it's not just uh, enough to talk about that. It's not just enough to raise awareness. It's really to not to leave the country you are invited until they take real action. And it's exactly what happened to the Netherlands. I'm so proud. I'm, I'm from Belgium, but I'm so proud to have our NGO uh, uh, registered in the Netherlands because I'm so proud of the Netherlands. Once we were here, the next day we m m we met with the Minister of Foreign Affairs, uh, Hank Brunslot, who actually immediately the next day officially uh, told us, informed us, the Ukrainian authorities, but also on the news that she was uh, she will be given. She she gave actually three DNA tests for us for the Ukrainian during the process of returning the children, because what we don't know, what you don't know, and I didn't mention, is even when you have to prove that the mom is trying to return the, the, her own child, she has to prove that it's her own child, which means that they have to go through a DNA test, which costs a fortune, 2,000 euros. So it's really violating the integration of the mother, of the child. And this is costly. And I'm absolutely a big fan of the Minister of Foreign Affairs because she just made a direct impact the next day. And that's exactly what we need. Um, so 
it, it's not easy. We are trying to get everywhere. Uh, but we, we, yeah, we're trying also to ask people to organize side events for us, to invite us to talk about that, because a lot of people are talking about children who are deported, but few people are actually experiencing the whole process, are experiencing on both levels, on the ground, at the uh, government level. And, and I would be more than happy to go and to speak up, not to just, you know, be nice and, and just talk about this nicely. No, we need to really speak up to everywhere where we go, we need to tell them. We need to tell them what is going on. We need to tell them what we have experienced. We need to tell them that we will be responsible for those children. We will sit here and in a few years, we will look at each other and we will say, what did we do for these children? Nothing. Because if we do nothing, it's stealing those children's dream, it's stealing those, it's stealing those children's future. Doing nothing also is passively helping the, the, the Russian to deport those children, doing nothing is passively breaching those fundamental human rights of having those children and to make sure that they're safe, protected, and, and return back to their parents. Sorry, but that was important to say. Okay, you, yeah. sorry, go ahead. And uh, so, sorry, I just uh, wanted to fill the silence and uh, thank you for for the, for for the information. And actually, if we have, uh, if we should have someone from pharma industry and someone producing uh, those DNA tests, uh, it would be a great advertisement actually for your company to uh, reach out now and uh, provide some huge, huge discount because I didn't know actually, Miriam, that there was this necessity for them. Parents, which has papers and photographs to prove that those are their children. So please, if there is anybody who knows someone with 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 ability to provide more of those kids or to change um, maybe something in this process, uh, step up now because uh, imagine yourself you would be in a situation where you need to prove that uh, your deported children are yours and you don't have the money actually to buy a 2000 kit 2000 yeah. euro kit. I, I would have to, uh, sorry but i will have to be also very careful and to, to stop here because um it is it is great what has been done but but we should not promote that we should not encourage that the violation of human rights, of having to go through a DNA test, this is something we're trying to avoid. But we have no choice. And when we have to do it, we have to pay for it. But I would rather use that money to return those children, because it's also costly, than to promote those DNA tests and to get that. Because then you promote, you accept that those, the Russian, could also go through violation of human rights and ask for a DNA test, just by the fact. So it is a very absolutely amazing thing that has been done and that they could save us, so we'll have enough for the coming months. Uh, but our goal also on the international uh, law level is to avoid that we have to go through those DNA tests. So, so sorry to, to, to cut you short on that, but I have to be very frank. This is not something we want to promote. Uh, actually, we, we are hoping that this will stop. I, I, I totally uh, understand you, and that's what I meant with uh, change something, something in the process, because I also can't understand why they are forced to do such thing. 
And uh, sorry for uh, disrupting uh, because uh, Torres was also starting to say something and then we got another hand. So I think we are on the same page here. Um, It's, it's, um, uh, I can understand it why they need to do a DNA test to prove their own children to be their own children. No one of us uh, needs to do such things, so why should they? Yeah, because what is important is not just the DNA test. And sorry that I'm taking all the place, but it's very important for the people to get the right information. So what we are doing also is to, you know, when, when the children are deported, they get a new passport, Russian passport. They're changing the name in Russian. So all this translation and all this admin is costly, of course. So this is also something on top of it that you have to make sure that when you identify the ch- the, 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 the kids, it needs to make sure that, yes, we have the same name. Yes, it has been translated properly in Ukrainian. Yes, it fits with the, 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 the Ukrainian passport initially issued by their own parents. So it's, it's a horrific administration thing, which Ombudsman, so the Ukrainian commissioner, is doing absolutely fantastically with their team because they are busy with all this administration, of course, um, in order to prove and to really reconnect those children with their parents. There is an enormous work in terms of administration because names are changed. There are situations where fingerprints are burnt when children are small, passports are burnt. I can't even tell you more about that because it's absolutely horrific. So it's not just about the DNA test, it's more than that, more than that. But we can have another session to talk about that, of course. Thank you very much, and thank you very much for that clarification. Uh, we really do appreciate that, and we have more questions. If you are okay to still carry on, Mariam, and please don't apologise for taking time speaking. We want to hear everything that you have to say and give you as much time as as you need, um, and and as the topic is required. And we um, and don't apologise for your passion. Um, we completely understand that. Thank you. And I'm here to listen to more questions, of course. I'm here to answer to more questions. Prince Heather, please go ahead. So you have mentioned, obviously, I think the DNA is an important thing and the cost is is definitely concerning. And and that is something that needs to be addressed. You have cha- you have you have mentioned that they changed their name, but there has also been word that I have heard that they have changed their dates of birth, their places of birth. Um, all kinds of other uh, information that can be used to help identify Correct. the children. Go ahead. Correct. Yep, yep. This is why this uh, mechanism of returning is extremely complex. You know, on the other hand, when we talk about 386 ch- children, is not a lot, yes. But, you know, for one child, the amount of work to identify those children and to really match them with a guardian is extremely complex. And you rightfully said that uh, date of birth have been changed. <clears throat> Location have been changed as well. You know what happened after the riot? A lot of people were celebrating that, which I understand because it's symbolic and it was very important to have the first riot based on the children who are deported for the pres- for the for the for, for for Putin. However, you need to understand also that the downside of it is that underground, when it was um, when for us, for our team, for all of NGOs working on the returning the children, for the Ukrainian government, it was hell. It was absolutely horrific because, of course, we get the downside is that the, the Russians started to move location, to actually confuse everyone. 
So when you were working for a few months on a location and you knew that the children would be there and you have really proved that the children matched the, with, with the parents and everything, everything was changed, everything. It was moving children from one side to another. Everything had to be redone. So there's always a downside, of course, um, with this type of thing. So we need to be careful as well. Thank you uh, very much. We have a, another hand from Ben Official. Ben, go ahead, please. Hi, thanks, Christopher. Um, a couple of questions. One of them is you're Belgian and uh, you're working with a non-Ukrainian organization. Um, does that make it easier? I don't even want to use the word easy. Does it make it possible to deal with the Russians? Because it, and then as far as the organizations go, the bring back, bring kids back Ukraine is Ukrainian. So how does the international aspect of this play out? If you can talk about it, um, because it really is confusing to me how anything gets even communicated. Well, that's a very um, fair question. So I'm from Belgium. I live in the Netherlands. I'm not Ukrainian. I don't have family in Ukraine. However, we do have connection, of course, after working on the ground for 600 days. Uh, we have actually when everybody was raising funds at the beginning of the war, what we've done is to raise trust because funding will be faded, but trust will be built. So that's what we have. Based on that, um, the beauty of not being Ukrainian it's, of course, to be able to, of course, fundraise for them, for the, but to also work together underground with the Ukrainian. And this is exactly why it's important not to be a wild uh, person and go underground and try to retrieve kids. And some people were talking about extraction. We will extract some kids. This is completely uh, insane. What we have done, and that's to answer your question, it's we have set up before doing anything related to children, it's to set up this memorandum of understanding with the presidential office, uh, André Yermak, and also with uh, Mr. Lubinets, where in this memorandum signed by both parties, we agreed on different aspects of this project. So we work together hand to hand. And of course, as you know, after one year, um, a lot of Ukrainians are speaking well English. And so we work together like a family, like really together every single day. So it's not about they're doing this and we are doing this. No, we are transparent. We trust each other. We work on the whole mechanism all together. And of course, for them, it's also very important that international organization can also base on experience. And my former job, actually, as a European civil servant, it's to reach out to other countries and to raise awareness and to also bring this topic on the table. But otherwise, other than that, then uh, on the ground, it's, we work together on a daily basis. And this, uh, the, the, the negotiation, we're not talking about negotiation, but all the mechanism and the administration with the Russian is done, of course, with uh, the Ukrainian authorities uh, and other people. So that's, that's, that's uh, normal. So, yeah, it's, it's, not, um, it's not something... Um, uh, I, I don't know if there's any other international organization uh, who have this memorandum. I don't think so for the moment. There is also, of course, amazing uh, Ukrainian NGOs doing this work, as you might have heard about help people save Ukraine. Uh, but we are the one actually, uh, yeah, international working together with uh, the government in Ukraine. And yeah, it is not weird. We don't speak Ukrainian. I can sing in Ukrainian. I can, uh, I 
I, I do uh, understand Ukrainian, but I don't speak Ukrainian. Uh, that's just based on the time I spent in Ukraine. So does that answer your question of being a bit too, uh, speaking too much again? No, uh, yeah, it, it, it does. It's, uh, it, well, one aspect, what, uh, just to follow up, because these children are in Russia, and how, who does the Russians communicate with um, when they are, because they have, to, they have to surrender the child. So who do they think that they're communicating with and uh, sort of how does, that, how does that transaction happen? Okay, so if I tell you how does that happen, tomorrow it will stop. So if you want, you have a choice. Either I give to the audience the complete answer and then you will be satisfied and we will jeopardize the return of other children. But, you know, I'm giving you the choice. Well, I think tell us after, after you get the last kid back, then you can tell us. Sorry? When you bring the last child back, then I'd, I'd like to know. Uh, no, no, we, I, I will not discuss that in public, because you understand that this is OPSEC. If I tell you anything yeah. now, and I think you're angry to understand, but what is the reason why you want to understand? Why do you want to do, what do you want to do with this information? Is just just for you to understand the whole process? In that case, I just ask you to understand. Oh, you mean, why do I ask a question like that? No, 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 no. Why do you oh. need the answer? The question is you need to just, just, just to manage the risk associated to that. Either we start telling everyone about the mechanism, the negotiation and everything, and it's jeopardized and we will not be able to do anything anymore for any other children. Or you, we respect that this is so high level, sensitive, upset reason. We don't want to jeopardize any other mission that therefore I will have to be a bit like, I can't answer your question. Or you feel so strong about that, that you need the answer. And I might give that to you, but I just need to understand why. What does it do for the children that we want to bring back by you having this answer? Because a lot of people are asking that. And I'm, I'm a bit, you know, I understand. It's, it's just like, it's like the prisoner exchange. The same process as the prisoner exchange. When there is a prisoner exchange uh, process, because it's also done under Ombudsman, eh? the, uh, Mr. Lubinets, it's also done under uh, him. It's the point four of the peace formula. We are all celebrating the, 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 the return of the prisoner crossing the border. We are all happy. And then other people will ask, but how are they returned? What was exchanged? What was negotiated? The question we to, to ask ourselves, why do we want to know if the most important thing is that the children are returned. Why do we want to know about the prisoner, how they were exchanged, if the most important thing is that that prisoner would be exchanged back to the country and maybe fight again and win this war? So it's, it's just a common sense that I'm not, I'm not at you, um, Ben, but I'm just, you are one of the 1,000 person who asked that question. And I'm just wondering every day, yes, it is a very important question. Yes, all the journalists are asking that question, but why on earth do you want an answer on this mechanism, which again and again and again could jeopardize any further process of returning the children? Well, I think your, your answer is a good answer because um, to oh. say, it, 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 I'll tell you why. And also, by the way, I am a journalist. Um, um, okay, I was not surprised. <laughs> the, 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 uh, 
and I'm credentialed by Zazu, so I, I know how to keep a secret. Um, the, the, the reason why I, I think your answer is a good answer or meaningful to me is to, it, it gives a picture of uh, what happens. And I think that one of the things that frustrates me about this, because I'm very interested in sort of the overall, uh, the, the Russian national project to destroy Ukraine um, and, and the, uh, and the, the, you know, the, the entire uh, nation of Ukraine, which the children, are, this is part of it, is that so little is talked about when it comes to the children. We hear these vague numbers, but even in Ukraine, and I've spent a lot of time in Ukraine, people in Ukraine don't really talk about this either, at least that I've come across and I've come across a lot. So just knowing that there's a mechanism and knowing that it's like a prisoner exchange, it really helps raise an understanding of what of what you do. And I think that's helpful. Okay, just just thank you, Ben, for your understanding. But just to be very careful, it's not the same process as a prisoner exchange. It is in the same, uh, how to say that, um, how to say, same negotiation topic that is being uh, advertised and also talk in an international level. So it's the peace formula. It's number four of the peace formula. So we have the, the, the children who are uh, deported, civilian who are still uh, st um, uh, tra uh, forcibly transferred to Russia or occupied territories and prisoner. Uh, but um, just to also be very careful, and also because now I know you are a journalist, is that uh, uh, there's no proper mechanism. Again, uh, every day it's uh, being creative. Every day it's trying to take the best thing we can do to return that child. I can give you an example where the creativity needs to work more than anything. It's they are they were trying to actually return a, 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 a child, uh, a girl. She's 15 years old. Her name is Veronica, and uh, her mother, um, unfortunately, is she's well, unfortunately because she's been through hell. But her mother is uh, working for the Ukrainian army, and there were one was captured and the daughter was deported. So a horrific situation. Um, and the, the reason is that they tried everything to get her back. The Ukrainian authorities, the NGOs, they tried everything to get that uh, girl back to Ukraine. It didn't work. It didn't work. And as any desperate parents, or mum, I mean, I can see myself doing that, I will try everything. Like now, you know, they're not even my kids, but I feel that all those children are our kids, our children. And we're going everywhere in the world to speak about that and to keep talking and talking and talking about that and to give headache to people to, to listen to that and keep talking again. And that's what they did with this girl. So the Ukrainian uh, ombudsman, Mr. Robinets, went to the uh, UN National uh, Security Council conference. And that day he had enough. He had enough. He had enough because he tried everything with that girl and it didn't work with the Russian Federation. And he started to tell in the UN, the Security Council, where you know that there are also Russian Federation there, about the situation, this very specific case, where why is it so difficult for her to get back? Why is it so difficult for her to get in, into any information to get her back? And miracle happens. Well, pressure, we call that pressure is that uh, this child, Veronica, was returned in the next days. The negotiation was made and she returned back to Ukraine. And then I met her, of course. 
So every single situation is just horribly tiring, but you need to be creative. You need to find the other way. If my, my, my children were taken, I mean, I would say in my house, I would say my life, I would give myself, I would give myself to the Russian to make sure that my kids are returned. But that's my, my own opinion. And I hope no, not other parents will do that, but th that's what it is. So this is why putting uh, the advocacy program at the high level and the government level, it's really having a proper uh, international mechanism to return the, ch the, the children and not only one by one by being creative, but to have really a, a, a formal mechanism to return them back, but also to put, to create a, a reduction which will not allow in the future for any country to deport ch uh, uh, children. Um, so th th that's what they're working on. So it's not a small thing. I hope I answered your question, Ben, and sorry that, yeah, you oh, yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you very much, Miriam. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Mariam. Very much appreciated. Um, so we have a number of hands, so we're going to move on to hands and we'll be having a co-host change also. So before I leave, um, just in case that happens in the background, I would just like to personally thank you, Mariam, for coming today. Um, I'm going to continue to listen even when we swap co-hosts. Um, it's vital that we uh, listen to these stories and share this information. Um, and I will probably come back as speaker and maybe also ask you a question. But but in the meantime, let's go to Prince Heather, uh, Richie Rich, and for every... No, sorry, Prince Heather, Terixus, Richie Rich, and for every, every child. Please go ahead, Prince. Thank you. Thank you. And hello again, Miriam. I, I, I told you I could ask you a million questions. I still could. Um, I've got a couple here. Now, there have been situations that I have heard about where children have been... Uh, been taken to third party countries in a way of uh, returning them from Russia and specifically Georgia. I have heard of that happening in a few in a few instances. And um, in one of those instances, I believe the Ombudsman Lubinitz is um, actually their legal guardian while they are there. Is there is that really something that is being pursued as an option for some of these children um, on a on a regular basis? Or is that an exception to the rule where there's just these couple of groups of children who have made it to Georgia and are under custody of Lubinitz and the other group, I believe, is under the custody of the Ukrainian ambassador to Georgia. Um, so I'm just wondering if you have anything about that or if that's something that is pursued as an option also. Yeah, um, I heard about that. I know about that because it was even, uh, I think, just try to remember it was about seven months ago or something like that eight months ago um no it was in december it was december last year it was exactly about a year ago um when it happened the transfer to georgia um i don't know much about that to be honest but what i know is that it's an exception because what you need to know and i, I am happy to inform everyone is that uh, sadly, actually, um, this happened also in Poland. So there was a bus uh, full of orphans uh, who were transferred to Poland and the bus simply disappeared. Simply disappeared. There's an investigation, etc. So based on that, on terrible experience as well, um, Georgia, I think it's a, it's a good example because it went well. But the Ukrainian from there, from the experience in Poland, they decided to actually stop uh, any third country uh, host. 
uh, and each child needs to be back to Ukraine, actually. This is why we need to also, from the UN side, I've been talking to the UN, and so it's UNICEF, we need to prove that the children, when they are returned, they are in a safe place. So this is why we're insisting, and we are focusing really madly on rehabilitation center in a safe place in Ukraine where children can be uh, returned. Because, of course, the question is, when you are returned, in them, they are not safe, so therefore we need to consider a third-party country, uh, which is not an option anymore at the moment. At the moment. Very good, thank you. And that makes that makes a lot of sense. And uh, they they those instances that I have read about did feel like the exception, and I had not heard about that about Poland, and uh, that is a very interesting and troubling uh, piece of news to to hear. And uh, that, not how do I say it? It's not surprising, but it's tr it's it's not surprising. That's you know that's what I have to say. Russia did yeah. something with them, and now are hiding those children, and and yeah. uh, finding them again is going to be a challenge. And I I'm just very regretful and sorry that happened. Yeah, indeed. But but I, I mean, as far as I know, I'm happy to ask the question to the Ukrainian authorities, of course. But as far as I know, and by talking to them almost every day, third country parties hosting is, is not the solution for the moment for the safety of the children. Okay, that makes that makes sense. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Tarikus, please go ahead. Yes, thank you. You yes, said in in Ben's question there was I think it was Ben's question there was also the the topic of people in Ukraine not talking much about it. In in my experience in Ukraine they're just too um, how do you say it? too sad to talk about it. Too too is that something you recognize? Um, no, actually, I mean. You know, I was really surprised at the beginning how they, the subject was tackled, but how little was done as well. I mean, it's 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 simple. Unfortunately, as sad as it sounds, there's a war going on. So the priority is getting everything Ukraine can get to win this war, um, because if they get they get those, you know. Um, Anything that they ask for other countries to get to, to to fight against Russia, then there will be no more uh, infiltration. Then no, there will be no more city will be occupied, and therefore there will be no more deportation. So it's all, um, and and this is why I mean the the priority is the war. I mean a lot of soldiers are listening. I think here, uh, a lot of people from the army are listening here. It is. You know, we need to have people who are keep this topic on the top of priority one. But of course, for any country at war, um, that's it's not that it's not the priority, but they have to fight different aspects of it. And, and one of the main aspects is to make sure that the country doesn't lose the war, which then because this deportation is the consequence of the war from 2014, as um, uh, you rightly said. So. It's not about they don't talk about that that much. It's not they, they're just out of resources and the people there are dying and and you know all the resources and also the people who had to flee to other countries to keep their own children safe. So this is why they're asking, of course, international help to help them to of of course uh, tackle this topic and to talk about that because their focus is somewhere else, which everybody will understand. Thank you very much, Richie. Welcome. Please go ahead. 
Hello, good evening. Uh, thank you, Mariam, for uh, you know what you've been speaking about tonight. I think this is definitely one of the most important things uh, to, to highlight about this whole thing. Uh, I know that when I first found out about what was going on, I could not believe what I was watching and what I was hearing. Uh, the amount of children that were being illegally uh, deported over into Russian territory was beyond uh, anything that I've ever experienced or seen in the entire 42 years I've been on this planet. Um, what I suppose my question is, and maybe you've covered this, and if you have, please forgive me because I came in quite late. Um, I wondered really, what can we do as everyday ordinary Joe Bloggs that lives down the road that is absolutely aghast with disgust over what Russia has done and, and stolen these children into another country? Uh, what can everyday people do to kind of have an effect um, on on putting pressure on the right parties, the right people, the right governments, whatever it needs. What can we do uh, to aid uh, really any way we can to actually help get these children back? Because obviously that is the most important thing that, that, that can be done, really. Uh, everyday people like us need to step in and start taking action and spreading the word as well. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Actually, Nobody asked that question yet, so uh, when we didn't tackle that uh, point. Um, but um, yeah, what can you do? It's different things. Um, you, you know, the most frustrating thing, and I need to be very honest with all of you, I mean, you know, all of you are trying to raise funds, is that, for example, we uh, identified 100 kids. Uh, we can't return them because every child costs money uh, to return them, to make the administration, to the transport and everything. Uh, you, you can think about, about two, one to 2,000 euros for one child. So raising funds, it's something that needs to be continuously, uh, because we can't do that on our own. We are trying all angle. That's the one thing. Uh, because as we, we need to talk about numbers, unfortunately. So uh, every time we return, a, a, a child then it costs money which of course like everyone we are running out of funds so maybe in december we don't even know whether we will continue doing that that's sad situation secondly it's to link us up with any government around the world who are happy to come and to listen to us and to raise awareness for us to try to get them also involved in uh sharing intelligence as well in terms of identification of the children that's something that can be done as well. The second, the third thing is, of course, and that's something that I would like more people to focus on. We are trying to um, uh, speak about the most important part of this Bring Kids Back program is the uh, creation of rehabilitation center. We need about six children protection center. We need about two rehabilitation center. And it's to find someone who can sponsor that around the world. Uh, so whatever connection you have, whoever you think you can speak to, please do it. And of course, anything we are we are trying to really post a lot on our Twitter account, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. We are trying to also always raise awareness about what we have done, the mission, uh, the problem to uh, about children who are illegally deported. It's to keep 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 sharing, sharing, sharing. So um, what I'm asking is really, please, um, anyone that you could connect us with the US, with Europe, with the government. We are happy to do it. We've been trained for that, we've been doing that. And also we have the experience on the ground, so I'm happy to talk about that in order to get them on board and to help us doing more, um, to, to, to help us uh, returning more children. 
it's different aspects how to help. It's awareness. So this is something which is free. It's really awareness it's to just share, share, share the information we are putting on. Uh, it's funding, of course, that's really important because unfortunately, you know, not everything is free, especially that. It's really outrageous. We, we have to, for example, a small thing that people don't think, uh, when you're returning a child, we need a van. We just bought six van. It costs us 150,000 because you don't want to, to also buy a second-hand van, which could break. I mean, it's a long road. So all these kind of things, is, you know, cost money. Most important as well is to, um, to put pressure on different countries, but in, in, in different way. So this we can discuss that also one-to-one. Uh, -one. And of course, the rehabilitation center. It's just, I'm so desperate because I'm like, if one day we manage to return 400 kids, where do we put them? How can I just ensure that they will be safe? How can I make sure that they have the psychologue, the trauma, tra trauma people, the teachers, the doctors to take care of them, where they will be? So we're trying to build that. We have a land, we receive a land in Ukraine. Uh, and, and of course, um, we are trying to build actually a mobile rehabilitation center in case anything happened, we can uh, transfer them to another place. So this is what we're doing. I, I know it's extensive, but yeah, anything that you can do is would be amazing for us. Connection with the government around the world, connection with the people who could sponsor one of the rehabilitation center, connection with people who have money and they don't know what to do and they want to be part of the future of Ukraine, they can help us as well. Connection with people who have intelligence and who can share intelligence and also uh, technique and, 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 and uh, um, uh, uh, digit, uh, how to say that, sorry. Um, um, technology, how to also identify the kids that could be also help. I mean, there are so many things. So I give you the option and one of the options is really awareness, funding and sponsoring rehabilitation center. Thank you so much for that fantastic question, Richie, and for that very comprehensive answer, Mariam. That's really useful. And I would ask everybody also, yes, to, you know, we all have a responsibility to take action here. Um, there's not, if you know, if you can't, if you cannot agree that um, the children must come first and any other issues must be put aside, then I think you're not a person that I would like to know in my life or in my circle. But I think it's important to share, not just by social media, but also speak to your friends about these stories. Um, you know, maybe you have some power and some um, influence that you don't really realise. Maybe you work in the medical industry. You could connect uh, Marion with some people that may be able to support and help the efforts in Ukraine, especially to get these properties um, and these services ready for children when they are able to be returned. I don't know. Maybe you work in an office of somebody or a politician or somebody who's got influence in that direction. Or maybe your neighbour does. You absolutely never know. So it's really, really important to share this information and to retweet the stories that are available out there Prince Heather retweets some of these stories um, that are publicly out there. I've also retweeted some, so you can find information on our feed as well. But please, everybody, follow Mariam and share the information that you're hearing here today. Write to your politicians and talk to anybody that will listen, because I'm sure once the information is shared more widely to the right people, we can get some more action going on here and get our governments trying to help with the efforts of um, getting these properties ready and these services ready. Um, first of all, we need to get our countries to get in touch with Mariam. Can they get in touch with you if we get any contacts? Do they write to President yes. Zelensky's initiative? 
Now, we, we would be happy to monitor that, to be honest. We're in contact with them. The thing is, uh, it, it, more we can monitor, more we can also properly feedback also, uh, the, because we don't want to, we are not feeding President Zelensky himself directly, but there is, uh, of course, a, a, a coordination group which we are part of, Bring Kids Back program, so we can uh, happily do that. Uh, and Tracy, you are really, you're touching my heart. I, I'm, you know, I shouldn't be emotional, but it's been really hard over the last six months. Uh, emotionally, physically, I'm exhausted. But what you just said, what you just promoted is absolutely the miracle that we need. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much, Tracy. It's absolutely great. And to all of you to know that we are not alone and we are not just trying to open doors which are closing back all the time. Uh, thank you so much. And regarding Rowan, if you know any big media who wants to speak to us and then who can also feature that on the uh, news, I we'd be more than happy to speak about that because this is also what, how you, we can raise awareness. So Tracy, you are absolutely an angel and all of you are absolutely, I'm very, very touched by that. And I would like to thank also uh, Niels, uh, the co-host as well, uh, for inviting us. It's It's been an honor and I can talk about that for hours, but today, you're really healing my heart a little bit and uh, giving me all the energy to keep going. Thank you so much, Mariam. <laughs> I have a lump in my throat now that you have said that, and I would say exactly the same right back to you. Um, and it is a very, very important issue. It means a great deal to um, probably everybody here. And um, <laughs> I would say to you, thank you so much for coming as well. It's um, an absolute honour and a privilege. And... Um, we all have a responsibility to, to act, so please, everybody, do act where you can. Um, I'm going to move on to the next questions whilst I just um, compose myself a, a little bit, if that's okay, for every child. Please go ahead. Uh, yes, Miriam. Uh, I, I have uh, boosted some of your tweets. I, I spent many, many, many months looking for some way to find any information on the, on the children who were deported and your your tweets were the first that I had access to that I could boost. Um, I spent 10 weeks in, in uh, England studying Florence Nightingale, and, and most people here are probably aware that Nightingale uh, uh, was at the Crimea doing nursing uh, uh, during the Crimean War of her lifetime. Uh, I spent a a good bit of time at the Florence Nightingale Museum on the 10th anniversary of the museum. There are Brits here that may have connections to, uh, or, or may form connections with the museum because if you can, if you can uh, network with the Florence Nightingale Museum, it will, there's a solid network throughout all the Commonwealth um, uh, that's just person to person that would uh, would be a, a great benefit for your work. Thank you so much. I, I tell you, I'm so desperate. I take anything, anything, any contact, anywhere you need me to speak. I will travel everywhere, anywhere to make that happen, to bring the children back. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. And I would just like to say at this point, welcome to Jana, my fellow co-host. I'm going to be swapping places again shortly as well with another co-host. Um, so I think we had the hands, Jana, at um, CC and G-Man, but um, a welcome and a very good evening to you. 
Thank you very much, Tracy. And uh, Mariam, it's such an honor to listen to you. I have been listening for the last hour. It's uh, quite incredible uh, incredible what you and your organization are doing. So I'm not going to uh, keep us too long. We just have a little co-host swap. And I will go to hands, as uh, Tracy suggested. I um, uh, I think we lost uh, Rich. Uh, uh, so we will go to uh, G-Man and then CC. G-Man, please go ahead. Uh, thanks, Jana. Jana. Mariam, you've been so inspirational and your passion and your energy, um, it couldn't, it couldn't but affect us. I think uh, when Tracy was saying she's uh, something in her, um, in her throat, I think I've got something in my eye. Um, maybe both eyes, actually. Anyway, um, I have got three children, so I, I can't imagine what the people are going through. Um, what a, I don't know if I can do anything to help, but I will try with a little bit more advocacy. If you could follow me, follow me back, I'll send you a message. I'm going to try. My, my MP is a lady with a young mother as well, and I'm going to try and put you in touch with her. Uh, and see if it's something that she, I know she speaks quite a lot on children's and women's issues in in the UK Parliament. So I'm hopeful that she, and I've been trying to find a way to sort of get her involved in Ukraine. And this might be one of them. This might be, I don't know, can't say for sure, but this might be it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, I, I, I might sound very strong and passionate and everything, but just to make sure that everything, everybody agrees here, we're all human beings. And um, yeah, I do cry every day. I do cry when it's hard. I do cry. It does hurt a lot. So um, it's it's normal. But, you know, what can we do? It's just keep crying. No, we, we can't just have to keep going. And that's people like you are giving us this strength to keep going. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, G-Man, and thank you very much, Mariam, for, for yeah, saying this. And uh, let's go to Cece now. Cece, please go ahead. So my jaw is just on the ground at all of this. Um, so I had a couple of questions. Well, one is there's hundreds of us here. It seems that, uh, you know, a lot of our companies that we work for do matching funds um, if you give to charities. So everyone should immediately find out if their company does that or if you don't know like ask them there's no hurt in asking right because kidnap children um you have to have a really hard boss i know a lot of us do but um you have to have a really hardened cruel boss to say no i won't help bring back kidnapped children that's fully documented and is on the nightly news so it's not some strange thing that they've never heard of right everyone's heard of it now, so I'd encourage everyone to ask your bosses and the companies that you work for to match any funds. Um, and then if you got five donations from your family members, each of your family members and friends, then, you know, your company could match those five donations to give to Miriam's nonprofit. Um, the other thing is, have, have you ever worked with um, U.S. American uh, nonprofits like I mean, there's the Bill Gates Foundation. There's just a million of it. I just can't believe that there's not more no. helping you out. Uh, I tried to be honest. It's just to get the right connection at the right time. 
So, and also what happened is that when I was in the UN, I had, you know, a lot of connection, unfortunately, because, you know, Ukraine, unfortunately, is not the only problem at the moment. Uh, the war started also in Israel and Palestine. Uh, and, and, and then people are switching. Let's be very honest, they're switching their attention. So some people who said that they would help just switch completely saying, sorry for the moment, this is not our priority. And that's a, that's a horrible reality. Yeah? A lot of people are talking about that and you, you've seen that as well. So um, I'm just really crap in fundraising. So we, we've done a lot on our own. We, we tried to, we had one or two miracles, big funders, but now we, we just honestly don't know what to do to, to raise more funds. So yeah, any, any ideas, any creativity, any connection to help us doing that will be more than welcome. Okay, um, and have you worked with the Georgian Legion before, or Liberty Ukraine at all? Oh, Georgian Legion, he's an amazing man. He's my friend, Mamuka. Yes, I work with uh, with them. Uh, so, um, but I, I don't see the connection actually in terms of fundraising. It's to uh, oh no, because I, I work with them. Yeah, oh, for logistics. Oh. I because it's funny. I guess you're who he told me about. I'm, I'm putting two and two together. This is so cool. I uh, Cinderella. It's me. It's Mariam. It's 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 you know I have di different name, but I, I was known as Cinderella. I, I helped them a lot actually, and he helped us a lot. So every time I go to Ukraine, I never leave the country without having coffee, tea with him. That's um, yeah, is absolutely. I mean, it's a good platform also to to say this man is not only fighting for years. I mean, he started when he was fourteen. He's forty-five now, um, and. He just, he's humble, he leaves really in a simple way and he fights for Ukraine. Um, I just have full admiration for this man. Sorry that you mentioned him. I, I couldn't just, you know, not say anything about that. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. So, the, yeah, and obviously that doesn't, it's not a fundraising thing, but more logistics. But, um, yeah, I guess we yeah. can talk in DMs about other, you know, trying other possibilities. But you, of all, of all people and of all causes... Like, wow, oh my word. So we're all going to put our heads here and, and pick up our phones and tap, tap, Thank tap you. on our keyboards and to emails and actually be active. Because now once this has gone in our ear holes and we've heard this information, um, you know, it, we can't forget it, right? We can't just hear this and be like, oh, that's so sad and move on. So I'm definitely going to try everything, yeah. everything. Um, are there any politicians that have visited or that you've talked to in the U.S. or no? Uh, no, 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 not yet. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it was the U.S. Uh, U.N. Um, side event, but not yet. Uh, so any connection, anything you can do. I mean, you will be also, just to warn you, uh, this is not a good news, you will be trapped like I was. So uh, I was doing that on site and I had a full-time job. Uh, after 18 years, I had to take a one-year sabbatical year. Uh, two months ago, I had to inform my president of uh, my organization that I couldn't do anymore. I have to focus on that. So you will be trapped because as you said, once you hear about that, once you experience that, and also because of the experience we had on the ground, there's no way back, but it's a good thing. It means that this is a way also to see your life Instead of having promotion, having career and being professional and being very successful, I feel more complete by knowing that every day someone can be safe thanks to us, thanks to you. Every day a child can have a future thanks to us, thanks to you. Uh, so just to warn you, it's really contagious. You might be trapped as well. Cece? 
And, and I, I'm sorry if you're just bursting in, Yana and Ghost, but sure. uh, I, I'm taking a little bit of co-host privilege here. Cece, can <laughs> with your connections on Capitol Hill, and I think probably uh, Miriam's connections through the Ukrainian government being able to contact um, the uh, ambassador of Ukraine to the United States, whose name I cannot remember right now, could we possibly get them hooked up with the Helsinki Commission? And uh, and maybe try to raise some awareness and get something into Congress's ear um, going through the Helsinki Commission. Yeah, I mean, I already have my DMs open, so put it that way. I can't promise anything for anybody, right? But I, I can do everything I can do, that's for sure. Thank you so much. Any, anything, I mean, even doing it, you know, the intention of doing it is already very, very, yeah, important for us. We know that nobody can promise anything, but just thought of you being all motivated to do something. It's, yeah, it's priceless. Has, has anyone reached out to you? Like, for, like, we have congressional delegations that come over regularly. Have you heard anything about that? No, program? no. We are very discreet, actually. We are very small and discreet. You know, we, we are not used to promote ourselves. Actually, you know, there were so many... I regret a little bit, but on the other hand, I don't. Um, there were so many big media approaching us last year, saying, oh, you, what you're doing, and you work in Ukraine, and the front line, this is amazing, and we want, we are looking for women who are taking the risk and all that. And I just look at them, and I turned down the offer. I said, I, I, I can't, I can't, because, you know, I, I don't have experience with journalists and everything, and also because my focus is on the ground. I need to go back every two weeks and to help people, to evacuate people. I, I just can't focus on promoting our NGO, which was a mistake, but I don't regret anything because this is where we are today. So no, we don't, we don't have big contacts actually. Thank you, Cici, and thank you, uh, Mariam. Uh, Mariam, you just uh, got me thinking, we have uh, a contact with uh, some local journalists uh, in the Netherlands. Uh, who works for one of the radios, uh, um, maybe I can uh, try to get you in contact with him if you would still be interested. It's not a huge uh, media thing, but sure. he did uh, several kind of um, uh, programs about people from Ukraine uh, who were hosted in the ne Netherlands in Dutch families. So. Sure. I mean, we are not picky. We are not picky. We are very simple people. We are not picky at all. So anything can help. Anything, anything. I will do today anything to bring those children back. Sure. Thank you. I'll do that. Thank you. And good evening, Mariana, uh, from me too. Uh, I have listened to you uh, uh, the last half hour and uh, I heard uh, the great things uh, you are doing. Uh, I have uh, fully respect for you, and uh, I heard you a couple of times say sorry because you are. Uh, we're getting uh, passionate. Uh, don't uh, be sorry. Uh, talk uh, uh, like you want uh, because uh, that's very important that we get uh, also the emotions uh, because it's, it's. This is very important. Uh, Children are, are innocent, just like you said, children don't have a choice in this war. So, uh, sorry for my voice, but uh, I'm a bit sick. Thank you. 
Thank you, Mr. M. I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't let you speak. Of course, uh, as, as we mentioned, Marianne, we uh, had a co-host swap. So uh, we will um, host the next segment together with uh, Mr. M or ghost of Mr. M. My name is Jana. Um, yeah, we actually both uh, live in the Netherlands. So, uh, and I'm originally from Slovakia. But um, um, as a co-host, let me, let me go uh, back to the questions. So, uh, Cici, please go ahead. You have uh, some question and comment. It seems this is also the perfect time to, you know, as we see people saying, like, why won't Ukraine just go for peace and ridiculous things like that? Um, it's, you know, our responsible a responsibility. I take it upon myself to, you know, answer all these people online, even like not just defensively, but even like using the search tool for people, you know, who, peace, the words peace in Ukraine, right? And just being like, look, you can't strike peace with people that are kidnapping children. You know, I think it's really great ammunition that we all use um, when people keep harping on these peaceniks um, on the far left. Just keep harping on about this. Um, you know, this really focuses that argument, puts it in stark contrast. Dead center focuses this um, real fast. So I, it's a great, it's a great piece that I'm, I'm going to use to battle these people because we are in the in a disinfo war too, as you know, because you fight it every day. Um, so yeah, that just occurred to me. If everyone else wants to help spread that, thank you. No. Please have that. Yeah. So, um, Miriam, I know that um, the, the two big organizations that come to mind when it comes to returning kids in Ukraine is Bring Back Kids UA, which, of course, we know is the president's official mandate to bring the children back. But there's also Save Ukraine. Do you guys work with Save Ukraine quite a bit? Is that something that is integrated in, in you guys work hand in hand together to bring the kids back? Or is that um, you guys are a little bit separate? Uh, just <clears throat> as a clarification, there are not two organizations. So Bring Kids Back Ukraine is not an NGO. So uh, Bring Kids Back is a program. So that's very important, uh, which is the program that I explained to you. Um, and this is our NGO is attached to that program. So it's not an NGO. It's very important. Uh, Save Ukraine, I had the opportunity to meet with Amikola Koleba, the founder, director of the Save Ukraine NGO in New York. So, and we are hoping to see whether we could have synergy, of course, uh, in more the rehabilitation uh, center aspects. So, yeah, we are in touch at the moment, uh, but we didn't manage to follow up. So, yeah, we are in touch, but we, we don't work together. But we, we are sharing information, we are sharing contact as well when we can. They have, of course, more experience. They were the Ukrainian, they, they were on the ground since, I think they're doing that since 2014. Uh, but I understand from that they don't, work, they don't work with the Ukrainian government. They are a bit separate. Um, yeah, so yeah, we're in touch and I hope to be able to do more with them as well. Thank you, Maria. Please Very go, go ahead. Thank you, Yana. So yeah, because I, I know that they, you know, they focus on things other than bringing children back, but they do focus on bringing children back a lot and, and they, they are successful at times. So, so I'm glad to hear that. Um, now, I did mention you also, I, I did hear you mention also a long road um, and needing a good van for that. 
so just to give people an idea, um, and and I I know this to some degree. What is the I mean, when you guys go by road to go and get the children back, what is the route you guys end up taking? Because my understanding is sometimes you guys have to travel through several different countries in order to go through Russia and then to Crimea to get children back. And that is a long, 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 long journey. So do you know how many kilometers that is or or what kind? Uh, what is that journey like? Yeah, so it, it's it's really um, it, it's 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 not a, an exception. It's most of the time you do cross different countries. You don't you don't you um, unless it's an exception and it's open and it's agreed, then you can use this uh, you know this uh, humanitarian corridor border, which is not a lot of use for the children. It's mainly used for the civilian uh, who are crossing the border. But most of the time it's via via latvia lithuania uh, poland and ukraine uh so it's a long long way uh, i don't want to focus too much on the van because this is the van that we have already submitted so we, they have now they will have, get six van but uh which most likely we'll have to change them again but yeah it's it's a long long road but a different type of vehicles as well they don't take always the same vehicle and diff depending on who is bringing those children back and who is going there. Uh, but yeah, it's it's never one country, never, never, ever. It's always at least two or three countries. And imagine, those children are doing the same. Huh? When they are re returning, they have to go all this way. It takes about three or four days sometimes. It's absolutely horrific. The last mission, it was about two ch uh, four children, and two of them were eight and nine years old. I would never imagine my own children were about the same age going to all those countries alone with us, one guardian, but not the parents because the mum was waiting with me. Uh, it's just, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's not an exception, uh, Prince. It's, it's really the reality. They are, I don't know how many kilometers, but it's just enormous. But it's usually two, three, four countries to get back to Ukraine. Yeah. Thank you for the answer, Mariam. Prince, do you want to uh, do you want to react? Well, no. I I mean, I I I sort of knew all that, but I just I wanted her to be able to you know, have the opportunity to say it. Um, and I think that you know one of the complications that that has arisen now is the land border for Ukrainians to go from um, to go into Russia through uh, Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia those land borders, I believe, are now um, restricted and closed. So we need to be aware of that. It's going to make things a whole lot more difficult um, in the process of bringing kids back. That was just uh, in the news yesterday. I, just, I read that for the first time, and we talked about it briefly um, yeah. a, a little while ago, too. So, so that, you know, there, there are problems that, that are going to have to be overcome, too. And, and that's, that's just, you know, just people need to be aware of this stuff because people, not everybody pays attention to it. And, you know, I saw it and I noticed it and I knew that that is just going to be really hard. So sorry, Miriam, go ahead. No, 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 no. You're completely right. And it's important to, to, to explain also, I mean, this is behind the scene uh, mission. It's just not going well all the time when you're bringing kids back. It's a lot of complication every day. You had different complications. So you've seen that on the news yesterday, but we heard about that last week because unfortunately, 
that's the mission I was supposed to go, and everything has been stopped for the moment. So that's what we I, I was mentioning to you at the beginning of uh, this uh, the, the 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 presentation is that uh, we are trying to find a way, which is horrific because really this is something that, in terms of logistic, was a bit stable, uh, and now it's another yeah another issue on top of it. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying this. Uh, Torek, so you have a question, please go ahead. Yes, Mayam, we're approaching two hours. I assume you must be getting a bit tired. Um, what I wanted to know is, uh, are you doing, are your DMs always open? Uh, do you want help in, I have some DMs already and people on Signal uh, ask me to contact you. Uh, what's the best way to approach that? Um, just contact me directly. I mean, no problem at all. Uh, everyone yeah. can send me a DM. Apparently, some people cannot send me a DM. If you can't, just tell me, and then I, I will just maybe follow back. Uh, that's the thing. Uh, yeah, being tired, please. Being tired, it's impossible. You can't. You can imagine. <laughs> I, I'm home now with my three kids, and they are safe. So being tired is a bit obscene for the people mm. who are constantly in the trenches and fighting for freedom and democracy. So I know, I know what you mean, and I, uh, but I, I, I can't be tired. I can't just even think of, uh, so I, I'm happy to talk about another five hours, but I might be the one uh, who will, uh, yeah, make you all tired. I'm sorry for that. It's just, you know, something that you can talk about hours to make sure that, um, um, yeah, that we can do something more meaningful to bring more kids back. Um, and in terms of uh, contact, DM works, but we have also uh, Offense Feeding Foundation uh, website where you can send information. I have an email address, Mariam at Offense Feeding Foundation or Samuel at Offense Feeding Foundation. So there is um, OFF uh, underscore NGO dot org. Uh, so we have a lot of ways of communicating. We have phone numbers, so I'm very, very happy and more efficient when you send me also a signal. Uh, so you will find a phone number on the website or I can send it to you uh, on signal, WhatsApp, whatever. So any kind of communication is fine. And I'm usually, usually trying to re really reply to every single person. Mariam, thank you so much. And Torek says, thank you for this question. W what I will do, I uh, found your website and the contact page, so I will post it in the nest for everyone. Well, not for everyone, but uh, if, if uh, somebody wants to help uh, and uh, contact Mariam, please uh, please use, uh, well, either the DMs or, or the website. So uh, I'll do that right now. And in the meantime, uh, goes up Mr. M and every child goes up Mr. M. You wanted to say something, uh, you, you are the co-host. Oh, please go ahead. Yes, uh, uh, maybe uh, this was all already mentioned, but Marianne, uh, uh, is UNICEF or uh, Warchild uh, uh, a possibility to get them involved in this? Yeah, of course they're involved. Of course, um, they're involved in a certain uh, extent. Uh, uh, because you can imagine that you, we went to UNICEF, we went to the UN, we went to uh, the Red Cross as well. Um, uh, just to be uh, to have a frank uh, feedback about that, the Red Cross just uh, nicely told us that they know what they're doing. Uh, they will not change. Everything they are doing is perfect and they will continue. So at least I didn't see that on the news. I experienced it myself when uh, traveling all the way to Geneva 
to try to do something with them. Uh, UNICEF, absolutely amazing. Uh, they are actually covering all the psychological support and everything, uh, but they can't be fully involved completely until there is a proper mechanism in place of returning the children. So this is well known as well. So yeah, we, we tried all that. What is really tiring is that we really tried everything uh, in big international organization. And to be honest, it's just a long process and bureaucratic. I mean, I've been working for it. I mean, I've worked for international organization. You know how slow, slow and slow is the bureaucracy, which I don't blame them because there are rules in place that you need to respect. But uh, yeah, we've been talking to UNICEF. We are in contact as well, but there are things that they can do. There are other things that they can't do. So it's just, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just impatient actually because every, I just want to know I just want to tell the world that we don't have that time. Uh, when there's a war, rules need to be changed. When there's a war, bureaucracy needs to be eradicated. When there's a war, uh, priority needs to be set up. When there's a war, we don't have time for 10,000 meetings just to talk about it. It's obvious. And all of you, within one hour or two hours, apparently have been speaking for two hours, you know that this is just priority number one. No one can be indifferent when it's regarding children who are kidnapped, deported, illegally transferred to other countries without the parents. So, yeah, that's my, sorry, I've been a bit too long. I, I keep saying sorry, but because I understand that it's very frustrating when people are asking me, have you been talking to UNICEF and this? Yes, we were. We did everything, trust me. It's been absolutely a long trip. But today we are still, you know, I'm the one begging everyone to help us to raise more funds, to sponsor a children's centre, to help us to raise awareness again. So that means that it's never enough. Thank you, Mariam. Uh, for every child, please go ahead. But um, indeed, I, I, I know uh, what you said about the tiredness, Mariam, but I just want to check uh, if you still have uh, some time for us, because indeed, I think you are uh, over time with us. So No, um, I will have all the time. You're doing the right thing. So I, I will stay uh, until, you know, you tell me, OK, no more questions. We, you know, oh. go back to another topic. No problem at all. All so right. Important, well. And we are very honored to be here. So thank you. Oh. No, we are very honored, but uh, let me warn you, we can uh, keep you all night then. But uh, I see Torix, as you uh, raised your hand, uh, I believe you want to react. So let me go to you first and then we'll go to For Every Child with a new question. Torix, please go ahead. Yes, Mariam, you say you're tireless, but please, please, please take care of yourself also. Because if we lose you, well the consequences will be big i know and i'm very thankful thank you for that uh I, I'm, I'm taking care of myself as well you know i'm you know like now i'm back between two missions i'm with my family i'm safe i'm sleeping well so uh we're charging as we said before going back to uh to the to the, to, to to ukraine so thank you i'm, I'm just now it's something that I, I can't just say say loudly that i'm i'm sometimes absolutely exhausted uh, an emotionally drawn so that's that's normal yeah so i i do take I, I just try to take care of myself as well and thank you for that thank you very much uh, for every child please go ahead uh yes uh cc uh nightingale had said that if you want to be a leader you must be a bridge if there's any possibility for you to do some bridge building at the uh uh, Native American Museum in D.C. Uh, the Native Americans have been working with Every Child Matters for a very, very long time. 
I've been following them for 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 maybe as much as a decade. Um, Cindy Blackstock is in Canada, and she's working with a uh, she's she's established a foundation to work with with First Nation children and health. But nevertheless, she may have some inkling of ways to do things. Uh, but anyway, anyone at the museum will have some connection with, with missing uh, Native American children. Uh, any bridge you can build there could be helpful. Um, just, uh, just a heads up on that. And uh, uh, Miriam, are, are, I don't see you. Are, are you still here? I'm here and listening carefully. Uh, yes, yes. Thank you. Uh, I'm, 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 uh, this this yeah. side this side is 24/7, so so please do be certain you have something to drink. Oh, I do, I do, I do. I have some water. Lots, <laughs> thank lots you. Lots of love to you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate. It. Thank you. Thank you, Bose. Uh, Derek says, please go ahead. Yes, thank you. For every child, is there some pre-work you can do for Miriam, perhaps? I've been doing pre-work for Miriam for months, and she doesn't know it, and I'll continue doing that. Uh, I'm uh, I'm in the United States. I've uh, been on lockdown for since uh, uh, February of, of 2020, and uh, and I'm living in a home my son has provided for me at. Uh, and uh, and I'm living alone in this home. Uh, they've had COVID three or four times themselves, but I've been isolated and I've, I'm COVID free. I will work as, uh, every waking minute for anything anything Miriam needs. I'm very touched and I'm very sorry to hear about uh, the situation at home. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for every child. It's very well wonderful offer of you prince heather please go ahead yeah i just i want to reiterate something and this is something that i've known for a long time but is you went by it a little bit fast miriam and and it's not your fault i you know i get it um but everybody needs to pay attention to this the international red cross said no right miriam they said, no, we won't work with you. Yes, reality that's is correct. That's yes. correct. They yes. said that in my face. I was there. I was, you know, explaining what we have heard, what we have seen, what we have experienced. They didn't know as well how, uh, of course, involved I was on the ground. So I let them explain how beautiful they were. They told me that regarding the prison exchange, for example, they do have contact with the prisoner, et cetera. Believe me, I talk with the witness team, I talk with the family where prisoners are still there, captured. No, absolutely no news. So you go straight to the source, but they underestimate that as well. And they told us that uh, we need to be patient, that the system is the right one, and everyone is criti uh, criticizing uh, Red Cross, but uh, they know that what they're doing is the right thing. And it will take some time, but we need to be patient. They actually dismiss any kind of request help I ask them. So uh, it was a very, it was one of the few, and to be honest, I don't have so many frustrating meetings where I left before it was, it ended actually, because I was just wasting my time and I would rather do something else than, um, than sitting. So th this is my personal experience. It's just, 
uh, it's me, uh, my NGO was there, and uh, yeah, it was just absolutely useless, to be honest. Well, and I just wanted to highlight that because report after report after report that I read, um, post after post after post that I read, when it comes to things, I'm talking specifically about prisoners here, it, the Red Cross is failing to to implement what they are responsible to do when it comes to prisoners with getting uh, messages and um, letters and care packages and, and all kinds of things and just even notification of who is a prisoner of war. And I know we're drifting from the kids, but the reality is they're not doing it in this one realm or of of prisoners of war and that is well documented and they are not doing it for the children as they should be doing it either and that is just something that i wanted to highlight that's it really needs to be known 100 percent confirmed 100 percent yes. confirmed what you have said and we need to speak it loud yes they don't do anything about that and you can even speak to the people who are working with them uh for the ombudsman for example they no, they no they're not doing what they should do and they are paid for that, by the way. We are not paid for that. They are paid for that. They are not doing anything. They are not, it's, it's, yeah, it's a disgrace, to be honest. Absolutely. And that's why I wanted to touch on it a little bit more and I wanted to highlight it a little bit more because um, this is the International Red Cross and, and uh, it just, it, it sickens me and it frustrates me beyond belief. Yeah, but then, then we need to be careful with International Red Cross and local Red Cross. For example, the local Red Cross, in uh, which uh, is independent, it's like a kind of franchise in Kharkiv, for example, are doing an amazing job. We have also Red Cross in Gaza, in, in, in Palestine, they are doing a great job. So I don't want to, to penalize all the local Red Cross, which are not uh, officially attached with a franchise, they are not attached to the International Red Cross. Uh, to be very careful, yeah, just to not to, because those people are taking a huge, huge risk to do amazing work. But the Red Cross, International Red Cross, based in Geneva, useless. Absolutely. And that, yeah, and that's where I was going next is that the local Red Crosses do amazing work. And those are the ones that need the support. It is the local Red Crosses that need the support, the International Red Cross is not living up to their responsibility and their mandate and what they are supposed to be doing. And, um, and it's, it's just really something that's, that's important to highlight. It's the International Red Cross, not the local chapters, but, you know, time and time again, I read story after story. You know, just last night, we have a segment, um, Miriam, about understanding genocide in Ukraine. And we have sort of gone to understanding genocide basic, you know, completely. And we've been reading some of the reports that the UN has put out. And I know the UN hasn't been fabulous in a lot of ways, but there was one thing that was pointed out yesterday specifically, and it, this doesn't have to do with the Red Cross, but they specifically pointed out in this report that we're reading that they have requested information from the Russian Federation 19 times by letter, and they have received absolutely no response. And so that's, you know, being able to understand that that there are huge roadblocks and there are huge road walls that are being run into um and you know the international red cross is the per is is the organization that should be able to break through those walls because that is their responsibility but they are even failing at doing that and i just i wanted to point that out 
and I feel awful because I have to go do a couple of things. But Miriam, I want to stay in contact with you. I messaged Taraxis about that, and um, you are an extremely important person, and I thank you so, so much for joining us today. And you have you have ignited my passion. I, you know, I am, you can ask just about anybody on this space. If somebody starts to talk about the kids, if somebody starts to talk about genocide, I'm the person who comes up and pushes it and comes up and talks about it. And I'm the person who reads and looks at the hardest things that I can find because somebody needs to see it because we need to look at every single aspect of what is happening in Ukraine. Because if we don't look at every aspect, we can't tell people about exactly what is happening. So I want to see all of the ugly so that I can tell you about the ugly in a way that might be easier for you to handle. Thank you very so, much. It's likewise. Just, and I, I would love to, I, I, actually, we will, I will spam you. We will keep in touch, definitely. Yes. Um, and, and also, uh, wherever you are based, I'm, I'm happy to meet you wherever I am. Uh, we, we can connect. And uh, of course, there are things that we can speak about this publicly. There are things that we can't speak about even via WhatsApp message or signal message, even if it's encrypted. But one-to-one uh, -one person, if I have the opportunity, I would definitely make the effort to meet you and to uh, exchange a lot of information. Uh, yeah, I just I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us. And I am very sad that I have to go right now, but I will continue listening. I just won't be able to speak. And uh, I appreciate so much what you were doing. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all this very, very important information, because this is the kind of thing we need to get out. We need to share. This is what people need to know. This is what should be grabbing people's heartstrings and should be making people act. If you hear the genocide, if you hear the part, especially about taking the children and what is happening to the children, that should make you act. And it's not. And we have to figure out why. So thank you guys very much. I'll be back later to co-host tonight. Um, but I've got to go get some stuff done. Thank you so thank much. Thank you all. And Slava Ukraini. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, here on Slava, I will, I will be happy to come back anytime. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Prince Heather, uh, thank you so much uh, for highlighting uh, both the thing about the international and local Red Crosses and uh, also for uh, getting in touch with Mariam and uh, your passion because, uh, yeah, we, 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 <laughs> we, we are all uh, passionate, but some of our uh, are even more pas passionate than the others. So if there are no more questions, I don't see any raised uh, hands now. Mariam, we, we, can, um, uh, we can indeed let you uh, go and have maybe a little rest. Uh, I don't know if you would like to uh, say some uh, parting words uh, and uh, 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 then we can say goodbye unless there is uh, any urgent question. No, oh, the, uh, I mean, the, I was absolutely honoured. And again, thank you, Niels, for uh, reach out, reaching out to me to be part of this. Uh, I'm happy to come back anytime and hopefully to share really good news because this is all what it's about. It's all together here. We have the same goals uh, when it comes to children. Uh, and I would be happy to come back. And I would like to thank you all all of you who are listening as well, who didn't speak, but who are listening. And I'm sure that the ones who are listening as well are doing a lot of things. I'm seeing a lot of message coming up. Uh, we, we can do that. It's, I'm absolutely convinced, 100%, that we are not crazy. We can do that, but we can't do that alone. 
So all together, uh, we, we can make miracles. We can bring those children back and we can celebrate later on saying that those children are here because we made that happen. Uh, so thank you so much. And just please keep in mind our organization, Orphans Feeding Foundation, and reach out to us, funding, donations, words, spreading the words, connecting us with the right people. Anyone, we will be making the trip to everywhere where we need to do to go, uh, because this is so important. And I have dedicated my life and my time for that now. So thank you so much for your invitation. Thank you so much for listening to me. And hopefully, yeah, we will hear uh, each other soon and I will come back very soon, I'm sure. Thank you so much. Well, we, we thank you. We really are extremely grateful for, for everyone, for the listeners. You can look in the nest of our Maria Report uh, post and uh, you can uh, see the link uh, to the website of Mariam of uh, the uh, foundation. And uh, indeed, there is a contact page with all the contacts of the founders, Mariam herself, the emails, even the telephones. So if you would like to reach uh, to her and ideally offer some help or uh, please also spread the word as uh, as she said. I don't know, Mariam, do you have a minute for the last question? I think for every child has sure. a very last question for you. For every child, please sure. go ahead. Thank you so much. Thank you. For every child, go ahead. Yes, Mariam, uh, Maria, um, uh, Maria reports is 24-7. You have an open door here to drop in at any time, 24 hours a day and give any any lengthy or short update that you care to give us perfect uh, i i hope you will not regret that i would be i would become your uh, best headache <laughs> i will pop up sometimes not always but when we have good news or when we need more help then i will just pop up thank you so much thank you oh, you are do. always welcome <laughs> you are always welcome Maui. and the, the donations are on the landing page of the website or where's the donation page yeah landing page everything so i can post that again so everything is on the website or oh, reach out to me i mean everything is uh and it's it's um it's important to say that it's INBE, so in the Netherlands that means that it's a tax deductible. I know it's uh, small information, but it's uh, important for people who are making big donations. So, uh, yeah, everything is there. If not, just switch out to me, to the co-founder, Samuel Lambert as well, uh, or anyone in the team would be happy to, uh, yeah, to make that happen. Thank you so much. Yes, indeed. I saw there was a donate button uh, on the website, so it's uh, quite uh, uh, easily to locate. Uh, just uh, uh, for, for everyone listening, you can go to the website and, and see it. And again, uh, just to repeat, uh, the website is in the nest and it's orphans-feeding-foundation.org. And if you Google Orphans Fo uh, Feeding Foundation, you will also find it. So... Okay, Mariam, thank you so much and have a good night. And, thank you. Uh, really, thank you for coming. Amazing what you're doing, by the way. It's You keep going and you've been here since the beginning of the war. So amazing. A big, big, big thank you to all of you because it's not about the children as well. It's about everything else. I heard that the mining also topic is very important. I'd be more than happy to also uh, connect you with people that I know which are working on that. So uh, thank you so much for existing, actually. So thank you. We still care about you and we'll show it. Thank you and good night. Bye.
Okay, uh, Mariam, if you if you would uh, like, you can of course um, you can of course stay uh, and uh, also listen. I, I just cannot guarantee that uh, uh, people uh, will not uh, stop bombarding you with questions. Um, and uh, yes, uh, what uh, what an incredible guest and what an amazing, incredible hard work uh, you have been doing for such a long time. And I am so grateful for, uh, I think, Niels, who brought you that we actually learned about you and uh, about your foundation. So uh, this is, uh, yeah. It's uh, so important that uh, people like you get, get connected with uh, with us and with our audience, and we uh, let everybody know uh, what you. is going on. Thank you. I, I will try to put my my own children to bed now. It's been quite late for them, so uh, and I will try to listen again. Uh, but of course, I will pop up uh, sometimes. I, I see the, the, that you have uh, this session every day. So thank you so much, and please allow me to uh, to also take care of my own children and to bring them to bed <laughs> before they're getting wild. Yes, yes, please go, please go, please go. And uh, thank you. I, yeah, I, uh, I, I wanted to really uh, just uh, finish uh, this uh, incredible segment. So, wow. See you soon. Uh, thank you, you. and you um, much soon. love to all of you. And we stay strong, and we don't, we will never ever give up. That's the last uh, word for me. We will never give up. Resilience is key. So thank you so much. And I wish you all a good evening or good morning or good afternoon, wherever you are. Thank you. Good evening to you.